Hey, hey guys, how are you? I am here with my great friends, Natalie and Heidi from Buddy Your Macros, and we're doing a joint podcast today, right guys? Yay! <laughs> so happy to see you, Lindsay. It's been a long time. I know. Yeah. I was actually trying to figure out how we met, and I couldn't actually remember. Oh my uh, gosh. That is a very good question. I mean, I mean maybe we have we have been together in person to dinner, which is wonderful. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But that was also like pre-pandemic, maybe. Was oh, for was. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in 2019, I believe. Oh my gosh, yeah. that was like five <laughs> years. Five years it does ago. feel longer. Yeah, like I feel like quarantine adds like an extra yeah. four or five yeah. years to every memory you have before. <laughs> it totally. I know. Is. I think if you if you if I had to like go try to like filter back to think about like how we like officially met, I think it was just because we were in the very beginning. I mean, people will refer to all of us, you included, like as OGs in this yeah, like kind of space, sure. especially with macro counting. So I think back then the community was really, really small and you yeah. kind of just knew everybody who was playing in yeah. it. Um, now I probably don't even know like 70% of the macro coaches out oh, there, sure. but there I definitely guess. is like fondness for the people who are like the pioneers when like, we were really excited about like unflavored protein powder. Like, that was like, <laughs> like collagen wasn't even a thing back right. then. So Everything I mean, is so different. I always tell people I started macro counting before there were even apps. Like I had books, like notebooks. Yeah. And do you guys remember Calorie oh King? Like it was a website for a while. Oh, totally. And that's yes. where I found everything. Yeah. It was on Calorie King. I was like a half cup of oats. I mean, of course you can look at the labels and stuff, but like Calorie King. And they have like the thick little book. Yes. yes. The pocket book that yeah. you can take with you. Totally. No apps, no nothing. Oh my gosh. Totally OGs. So I want to actually ask you a question before we dive yeah. into the podcast. When you like look back and reflect back, I mean, from your show days aside though, because I think that like that is completely okay. a category of its own as far as like practices yeah. and things like that just like regular normal. do you think when you look back where you like I could see why people think that I was a little disordered then or some of the practices that we used to like teach people like that might have been a little extreme like when oh, you reflect back like, 100% yeah. even yeah even not competing like sometimes I repurpose content and I'll scroll back years just for like ideas from my past content I'm like I can't believe I put like I could never get away with posting that anymore <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, and I think in some ways it's changed for the yeah. better, but like, I can't be too hard on myself because we were so like, we, I honestly felt like we were breaking a code. Like when we were, when we were like, there was a time we, we were like pocket scales, like bring a pocket scale with can you, you so you can make sure that you're, yeah. Yeah. And we, and the reason we did that is because we were like, how many Chick-fil-A French fries right. are in like are in a medium. Do you right. know what I mean? Like it was just like the accuracy and the fever pitch right. of like, of, like we can figure out everything. Yeah. And for the record, you can have about 15 fries. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Chick-fil-A though. They're big small. waffle fries. Okay. Yes. First. Yes. Yeah. So you actually yeah. only, only get eight in a small, which is super a total decision. Yeah. Yes. I, I, but, I mean, yeah, had to like, have like <laughs> a very extreme end. You know, because you come from not tracking at all, which is like one end, and then you start tracking and yeah. then you go to the other extreme before you can find that balance in the middle, you know? Yeah. Which is sort of a microcosm of my entire personality. Is it? <laughs> it just has to go extreme and then we kind of come settle right right, right. There, right back in the middle. I kind of think it's actually perfect because of the topic we're yeah, yeah, and I think it's perfectly like the topic we're like diving into today. We're gonna chat about like struggles and maintenance. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so funny because part of us who I've seen so many different women come through these type of programs and, and, and have having had coached them too. It's like, you can see how like there are some really extreme 
practices and behaviors you have to do when you're in a deficit. And so to make this belief that you have to live this way in maintenance is really unfair. But at the same time, you also can't do none of them, totally. right? To maintain a result that you achieved with that kind of extremeness. And so I think it'll be interesting to chat about that today and see even how like maybe our views have changed on maintenance over the years and like what that even like means to us anymore and what it might mean to like somebody who is like fresh out of their very first, you're so adorable cut that you've ever done counting macros. Like I, I miss those days when you're like, Oh, it was so magical. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, tell me about your guys's personal journeys. Like, do you live mostly at maintenance? I mean, I know the answer, but let's kind of talk about it for audiences and stuff. Yeah. Um, definitely mostly, definitely in maintenance. Um, I, uh, it's been a couple years at least, hasn't it? Since, since, um, we cut last mostly okay, in maintenance like and like, one person. I know it's true. <laughs> it's, it's, true. it's really, it's really ridiculous. Like we really could not cut a separate from one really? another. We just completely changed the dynamic of our relationship in the sense of like, what do you mean? We're not going to get donuts. Okay, fine. Like <laughs> it just seems almost like if, you're, if we're going to do it, it's kind of like when you have tell people to get their like husbands or yes. partners on board yes. with what they're doing. It's kind of like, it has to kind of be like a, I'm so sorry. I'm going to do this to you. But kind of, yeah, <laughs> I need to go into fat loss thing. space. So you ready? Yeah. 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 And it's also better with a friend too. Totally. I mean, let's be completely honest. Yeah. I and mean, that is definitely a strategy that we encourage, but I think the last time we really truly cut was probably 2020. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's a little bit like the, what we were just talking about. So it, it was pretty extreme. Definitely the leanest I ever got. Um, and it, it was, it was intense. I kind of came, I mean, now I'm like, I don't want to speak for both of us, but like both of us kind of came out of that experience. Um, like, not excited to do it again. Yeah. What, what, you know, what, and about really, it. what what made you feel that way? Um, for me, cutting brings up a lot of, um, so it was like, it was sort of like a, uh, what's, uh, a lot of situations combining okay. in my personal life. Um, in, uh, and then just being like, I think I saw some meme that was called an ADHD prove mode where it's like things get the harder things get, the harder I dig in. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not pulling the plug on this. Like I'm going to keep yeah. going. Um, and I actually ended up having a couple panic attacks and, uh, was like, yeah, we need to, we need to bring some moderation into yeah. this whole process. Um, but again, uh, like, I don't, I don't know that that that's obviously not a typical experience for everyone, but, but I think the big lesson that I came out of that with is that there are, there are times and seasons and to be careful to not lose the vision of like, if you're going through a fat loss phase, the idea would be to improve your life in some way, not to burn your life down in the name of, in the name of a specific aesthetic result. Yeah. Right. I think I had in my mind, I just wanted to prove that I could do it and I just wasn't going to let anything get in the way. Um, unfortunately, including my mental health a little yeah. bit. And just that kind of prove <laughs> so, it yeah. is kind of a negative attitude, right? Yeah. yeah like prove it to myself Absolutely. prove myself wrong or prove somebody else wrong. Like there's gotta be more of a positive and I've been the same way, you know, where it's like prove, prove yeah. to everybody else I can do this or prove it to myself. I can do this. Yeah. And it's like, it's crazy. Cause like even knowing some of the, like the common mindset, tra- I mean, I've been a coach for several yeah. years at that point, like knowing like, uh, how destructive like shoulds and ignoring your needs can be. I knew that stuff for somehow I was like, Oh, that's, because I know it, I can't possibly be violating those things. And it's like, I can... or I have like a fail safe that is just not going to happen to me yeah. because I already have an awareness, which is what half the problem is, right? Like they don't have an awareness of like their emotions and their needs and things like that. But the 
it's amazing how you can just disregard all that, even <laughs> if you know it. I, it's kind of like the Jerry Seinfeld thing where he's like, don't drink cough syrup while you're he- operating heavy machinery, but how people are like, ah, that's for people who don't know what they're doing. I'm an expert. You know? <laughs> well, and then it also it's helps cool. us relate to our clients too, though. Cause you're like, oh, we are actually yeah. exactly the same when I'm put in this situation, just like you guys are. 100%. And then, you know, it was interesting. This was actually our very first coach led cut. Um, from like a, like a person who actually like set up everything from our workouts yeah. to like, like everything kind of fun, though, right? is managed. Hiring a coach. Yeah. yeah. Then we got, and, and, and to be honest, um, you know, Heidi got like the leanest she ever got. I actually was in a position to think like, okay, finally, this is it. Like I'm going to have this transformation that I've always wanted. Like I have the work ethic for it. Like, let's just go full send on it. And it actually ended up being probably one of the most, like, I mean, not to be like all dramatic, but if I think about it, kind of was, it was kind of traumatizing mm-hmm. actually, because I had to like face a lot of things that like, I didn't think that I would have had to, because I was like, well, I'm by all intents and purposes, this should work. Right. Like, I mean, at one point it was like 19,000 steps, five days of, tr- of strength training, 1100 calories. I'm like, this is, this should get me to this place oh of my gosh. that like, I'm ready for right? that. I've, I've strength trained for like, I've done enough successful cuts. Like I know how macros work. Yeah. Like I'm really proficient at it. And like, it didn't actually yield that. And it ended up putting me in like, in a, probably in the person in my life, a really disordered headspace, mm-hmm. which I also feel grateful for because I can see how women get there. Yeah. I think before I was like, that's crazy. Like, why would that do that? And then I found myself like sleeping. So I wouldn't have to eat or like, you know, drinking tons of caffeine. So I wouldn't be hungry. I mean, 1100 calories over a span of a day doesn't go very far. Totally. So there were some of these practices. And then I also didn't get the result that I thought I would get yeah. to, which also felt really like unfulfilling and pretty, it was pretty, actually pretty depressing when I think about it. So that has also made me a little bit gun shy from like really going full send into a cut again. Cause I worry about kind of retracing those kind of steps as well as like my expectations and even just like my mindset about how I felt then. Um, it's interesting because I think most people think that, oh, I know how to do this, but like, I'm sure and you can test this. Like not every cut is the same. No, like, very all. few of them are exactly identical. Like every yep. single time you go into a deficit phase, it's completely different than the last. Yes. And I think the same thing goes for maintenance too. Like you might've had a really successful maintenance phase. Like we were able to maintain after our very first cuts in like, in what, 2004? 13 for probably a year or two. I think it was two, 2016, maybe, or something like that. <laughs> 2000, yeah, 2016, sorry, 2016. Like we maintained, like that's when we started CrossFit. We, we didn't have to cut for like two years. Yeah. The scale weight didn't really that's change. Amazing. It, it was all beautiful. And so that was that. But then you do maintenance after a couple cuts and you're like, oh, wow. It's much harder. Those mm-hmm. 10 fly on real yeah. fast. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you guys have been in maintenance how like 2020, right? Yeah, I've kind of in the same situation. So I mean, I know you guys know this and my audience does, but you know, for your audience, I've competed for a long time from like 2009 to 2018, off and on, not every single year. But um, in 2018, I ended up with a lot of hormone issues from staying way too lean for too long and then ended up gaining 50 pounds the year following that. Um, and that's actually when I went down there with you guys was kind of just right in the middle is when I visited you and... and down by your house. What am I trying to say? Down in California, (laughs) down in your house when we went to dinner. And so I was able to lose that weight and I haven't really done a cut since then. My last, so I lost, obviously I didn't lose the whole 50 because it was from a stage weight to a high weight, you know, but I lost about 25 to 30 pounds of it. And, um, 
it took about three cycles. And I really think that the fact that I did it in like 10 pound chunks and then took about six months at maintenance in between is why I've been able to successfully maintain it. Because I literally did like a 12 to 14 week cut, lost about eight to 10 pounds, maintained it for six months. And of course, like, I mean, we'll go into more about maintenance, but part of maintenance is some scale fluctuations. And sometimes you gain, you know, five pounds in maintenance and you want to do a little mini cut. To me, that's all still maintenance. You know what I mean? If you gain Mm -hmm. a little bit, then you tighten things up for a little bit. It's kind of just that fluctuation. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, one hard thing about maintenance is people think that they have to maintain that exact number or even within like two pounds. Mm. And that's not very realistic. You know, you're going to have life like, I mean, for example, in December, I went to Arizona with, with my coaching team and we ate at so many good restaurants. And then I came home like five days later, I went to Las Vegas and then we had the holidays and then I went on a cruise and like six weeks later, I'm up five pounds and I want to just tighten things up a little bit. I don't see that as weight gain and then going into a cut. To me, that's all still just the fluctuations of maintenance. Do you agree? I totally agree. Well, yeah. Especially if a lot of times like that kind of thing can be like mitigated with like, Oh, I don't know, maybe having some water, yeah, yeah. And maybe some fiber, right. And like getting a few steps. Right. I, I think that like when you can kind of, you know, we use, if you use your term, tighten it up a little bit, like just kind of getting back to your healthy yeah. habits. If you can notice like a couple pounds shake out, just not even being in a deficit, yeah. but just like visiting the things like sleeping good again, you know, actually getting regular sleep or reducing your stress. And if the scale, Tracking, can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the scale can shake up that way, that means to me that you are in a maintenance phase. Like that's not like I cut and I like lost these two yes, pounds. Exactly. Um, I agree. I agree with you. It's like, this is just a way. And also if, you know, I love that Heidi did this one day, like she weighed herself in the morning and weighed herself at night. It's like that fluctuation, even in a day yeah. is can it be anywhere from like two to four or five pounds. So if you don't honor that as maintenance, then what is it? Right. Right. Just laughing because that post, I had my bare feet on the uh-huh. scale and I had like terrible bunions. And by far and away, people will be more concerned about that. Yeah. yeah. You're like, you're missing the message. <laughs> but the point remains. Uh, we should yeah. post that. Like, don't worry about the bunions. They're fine. I'm addressing it. Okay. Right. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, so yeah, so I haven't done like a true cut since 2021 um, with the exception of like just little phases, you know, just little fluctuations. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But why don't we and, and yeah. just for, Go ahead. for clarity's sake with the reader, like when we say tighten it up that we're, we're not talking about going into a cut. Right. We're talking about like being more accurate with your yeah, numbers and getting back into like routines. Like, and, and more intentional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, intentional yeah. about your food choices in a sense of like, trust me, when you're on a cruise or you're out with yes. your team or you're out with your friends or the holidays, most of us aren't even paying attention right. at all to anything. Yes. It's strictly by feel, festivity, fun. Yeah. Right? So like in my mind, air quote, tighten it up is like, Hey, I actually am like, what do I want to eat today? Is that a choice that will actually make me feel satisfied? Yes. Does that actually maybe like help with my digestive system? Did I have some water today? Yeah. Like, yeah. Paying attention right. as far as like to the things that are looking like, at. And do you yeah. guys track? So, sorry, you were yeah. saying. No, do you track when you're at maintenance? Yeah, I, it's, you know, they say it's a perishable skill, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you, it, if you don't, if you aren't tracking, like your, your estimations can get rather oh, generous. For sure. For sure. Um, but you also, I also don't think that, you know, depending on it, what do we always say? Like the more specific with the result you want, the more specific your behavior mm-hmm. has to be. So the more narrow your expectation of what you are maintaining, mm-hmm. then the more specific your behavior has to be. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with scale fluctuations. Yeah. So I, um, I probably track like three or four days, but there's also been months where I haven't tracked really at yeah. all. Right. So it's, it's kind of, um, 
times and times and seasons as it were. But I do think it's, it's crazy to be in maintenance and have the expectation of maintaining and not doing any of the behaviors, yes. like not doing any self-monitoring. Right. right. Because I mean, you and I both, we all know here that like your body fat set point and whatnot will like cue you back to where you were before. It's very subconscious. Right. So just like, just like you can know something like, Oh, you know, having 10 out of 10 anxiety is not good for you. And you can still push yourself there. Right. <laughs> you know, you got to keep your eye on, you got to keep your eye on yourself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And there's different ways of monitoring too. Like, you know, just because you're keep you're monitoring your calorie intake doesn't necessarily mean you're in your tracking app, adding up every little thing. Something I do is I take yeah. a break from tracking, but I mentally know where my maintenance calories are. And I think, okay, I need four meals of 500 calories or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> and I'll look at my meal and I'll be like, okay, yep, this is approximately. 500 calories or whatever I want it to be. And so I'm not tracking, but I have that education from like, okay, hundred calories yes. of this, 200 of this, whatever. Okay. That's a good meal for me. You know, or like just track your protein. Yeah. You know, if you're hitting 130 grams of protein, 150 or whatever, you're not you like that will help regulate your ap- appetite yeah. in a lot of ways that can compensate for not necessarily tracking super accurately. And the likelihood of if you're eating 130 to 150 grams of protein, it's less likely that you're just going off the rails. Right. With chocolate cake. Right. Yeah. Like, but that's a ton of food. Like if you're eating whatever you want and you're managing to nail 150 grams of protein, you are having a massive amount of protein. Yeah, totally. As we know how challenging it can be to get even hundred grams of protein in sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think contextually, like it gives you a better idea of like, where am I landing? And also just kind of a practice of remembering like portion control and portion size, I think is just for, just for knowledge and context. Cause yep. it's really easy just to be like, you know, once again, with like a small fry for eight at Chick-fil-A, it's really easy to make that 10 yeah. or 12 or 14 and forget that you had, you know, two small servings of French fries versus, you know, one. For sure. no, totally. And like in, in fairness, while this might you know, maybe to some people, this sounds extreme, but it's also, we're in a food landscape that is also very extreme. Um, the size, the portion sizing at restaurants or our, the, the expectation our eyeballs have of how much food we should have. I mean, you've seen the statistics about like the size of like a value meal and how that's exponentially grown over the past 20 years. Um, so it, I think it is just, it's just about being informed, right? Cause if we're going to, there's actually, I would say we agree with most of the principles of intuitive mm-hmm. eating, but we're just not in a, we're not in a, it's not fair. Right. We're being bombarded <laughs> right? everywhere. Like shoot, yeah, exactly. Some of these foods have been scientifically altered to make them more palatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of the fact that like our brains just really enjoy fat and carbs. Right. For sure. So that this is like leading right into our topic. Our topic that we want to talk about is pitfalls and maintenance, why you're struggling with maintaining your weight. So I know Nat and Heidi, you guys have a good, like a bullet point, some bullet points here. So why don't we just jump on into those? Yeah. Yeah. So I think probably our number one would be that you're looking for the pings of the scale for validation. And I think we have been conditioned to believe that the scale tells us kind of how to feel. Like, tell me scale, how do I get to feel about myself today? Like, you know, you step on the scale, we all know the feeling of like when it's down, we're like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like you feel Validates like your decisions. Yeah. And it's like a legitimate real dopamine dump, right? Because it shows it, in us too. It says like, you're doing a good job. Yeah. Right? And who doesn't love a gold star? Mm-hmm. 
And then on the flip side, you also know the feeling of stepping on the scale and it's up or you're like, that can't be possible. How is it that high? Mm -hmm. Or like, when did this happen kind of thing, right? And then automatically you start questioning and second guessing yourself, like, what have I been doing? Or like, oh, I knew I ate too much or I knew I shouldn't have done that. Or I know that I shouldn't have like, you know, we constantly start just like judging Mm -hmm. ourselves. And so when you use the pings of the scale for validation, it's really hard to not equate like that number with like worth or success or reward or punishment or meeting goals and like a million other emotions. And so it's hard because when you remove that part where the scale actually becomes more of a way to monitor your maintenance than it is about like seeing a downward trend um, or if you're in a like build an upward trend, but like kind of neutralizing it to be like, actually, this is just a data point for us Mm -hmm. to see how we're doing. It's kind of less fun. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, totally. And and weighing yourself responsibly, right? Like the, the, the post you mentioned earlier, you weigh yourself, I'm sure your audience already knows this, but you weigh yourself first thing in the morning before you eat or drink, but after you use the restroom and then you take an average of those weights over, over the week. Yeah. And that's your most accurate. Yes. Weight. I like that you mentioned that because yeah. so many people are hung up on that day-to-day scale and they try to say, you know, there's a big thing right now, like you should only do weekly weigh-ins or even less often. In my mind, the downside of that though, is if you're constantly catching that up, that up fluctuation, that yeah. upswing, you're going to have, you're going to have some problems with one, not knowing if you're, if you're cut or whatever you're working on is working. But if you can, if you can't handle a daily scale reading, I almost think the bigger problem is working on your relationship with the scale, you know? Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. Totally. We would emphatically agree with that. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? It's interesting. Cause it's like, especially like, what is the day? Like if for those of you who had like a super bowl, the super bowl party mm-hmm. last night, you stepping on the scale this morning as your one way in for the week yes. is probably not going to be reflective <laughs> of what it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. My son um, is actually in a deficit phase and he just like every single day I'm like, did you weigh yourself? Did you, you know, after you went to the bathroom, were you like butt naked on the scale? And like half the time he's like, oh, I just weigh myself after practice. I'm like, Okay, like but, don't even do yeah, that. You can't like, even use kind that of as a data. Yeah, it's like it's like kind of completely null and void. And then you either think it's working or you don't think it's working. Right. And it's been interesting taking somebody who has no context for really weighing themselves to collect data. Right. How it's like you have to do it this way. And so it's funny. It made me realize that like this is why I think a lot of people struggle with their weight loss is because they actually don't do it correctly. Yeah. Yes, they sure. are just like. I'm just going to weigh myself today on a whim and see if it's working. And then like, depending on the day or whatever you had or whatever time of day, or if you're, I don't know, fully dressed after baseball practice for two and a half hours mm-hmm. and weight room and have eating like three meals, you're going to weigh yourself and like, think that this is going to give me some really good information. Well, totally. And then you're putting too much stock like, into that one number too. Yes. You're putting the value of, is what I'm doing working into just this one mm-hmm. weigh in as opposed to multiple data markers and taking that average. I love that you said yep. that. Well, totally. I mean, and we've all seen the scale in like the gym bathroom. So it's not like this idea comes from nowhere, right? right? Like even the, even like a a fitness authority, if you Mm -hmm. will, is saying like, sure, weigh yourself here in the gym bathroom with your clothes on. on. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that like, yeah, just being honoring your goal, but honoring your goal by doing the process in like a kind of a response. Yeah. Way. Well, and even with that. measurements too, right? Like I'm like, Baz, like, let's make sure we're taking some measurements too, because, you know, especially if you are in a weight room, it's going to maybe be different. Yeah. And like, like, he's like, why would I care about my weight? He's like, why would I care about my waist measurement? And I'm like, because it's another data point, yes. you know, versus the scale. And so kind of like validation of things, the scale, like you, especially if you're strength training women, which hopefully 99.9% of you yeah. are, that scale is not going to give you enough context for what you're doing, especially in movement. Yeah, because even having a hard workout can make the scale go up. Like there are lots of things that you could be doing that are positive that cause scale fluctuations. Yeah. So just an average, 
is better. And I totally agree with you, Lindsay. Like it'd be, if I had, if I had my druthers, I'd rather have somebody weigh themselves every day, take five seconds to do it, not worry about yep. it too much, then weigh themselves like once a week or every other week. And then all of the pressure comes down to like what to that says. Yeah. Because if you, yeah, yeah. It's just that one data point, you make that mean way more than it needs to. Yeah. Okay. So totally. that's mistake number one totally. is, you know, hey. being used to the ups and downs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So number two, um, you've never eaten so much on purpose. Yes. <laughs> I mean, how many it can be very... to that are like, I've eaten 1200 calories for the last 10 years. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like, I started Weight Watchers when I was 11. Right. And then like, when they eat more than that, they're like, oh, well, I ate too much today. And I mean, and I know, you know, the soup from when you collect women's initial like intake data, like so many of them are like, I probably eat like 2,700 calories. And you're like, well, did you track that? Well, no, but I just seem, I just eat a lot. And you're like, so you have no idea why you came up with that calorie balance. Your just assumption is like, it's got to be over 2000 for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Like right. if you don't have the body you want, cause you eat too much, which is ironically, not not necessarily not true. Necessarily. Like it's not hard. eating enough can cause just as many problems with weight maintenance yeah. as and not eating much. the right, you know, not getting enough protein, all the things. So many issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we've all been we've been conditioned to eat less. And this also can play into like the scale games because the scale the you know, weighing yourself games, because when you have when you're eating more food, there's literally more like food weighs something, right. there's more in your food weight right. in your system. Yes. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that like that eating, eating more can be a very freeing process. And also I think a lot of women bring their um, deficit mentality or like, you know, eating high volume mm-hmm. foods or whatever to stay full. They bring those into maintenance that makes it harder. where, yeah. It, yeah, some women really do. It is actually a challenge to eat that much. So making sure that you are, taking advantage of your, of the higher calories and maintenance by incorporating foods that are, pre, are more calorie dense, yeah. that they can be healthy foods. They can be enjoyable foods. They can be all of it, but really like widening that landscape for yourself mm-hmm. because it can get pretty narrow in a deficit, whether you're trying to simplify t- tracking by eating a lot of the same things, or you're just eating a lot of high volume foods so that you can be successful yeah. in a deficit, but making sure to switch that up in maintenance. I feel like stemming from that too, is people kind of miss the feeling of always feeling quote unquote skinny or lean or oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. that's not real life. Real life is not meant yeah. to be always hungry or always having like always feeling skinny. You know, like you're going to have times where you're full. You're going to have times where your, yeah. your pants are fitting just fine. Like, of course we don't want your clothes to get all tight, but you're not going to always feel skinny, lean, hungry. That's such a great point. It's like, there's something so like masochistic about being like, I feel so good when I'm starving. Yeah. It's like, it's like such a, it's like, you've obviously never really truly been starving. Cause if you are, most right. people who have like, will tell you that it's not, no, a good it thing. Not <laughs> but, it's, but I also can see how, like, if you, if you really have no context for the science and, and an understanding on how the way calories work and your body works, like it would feel counterintuitive to eat more when you've always been told that eating less gets you the body. Yes. Less. So why would eating more allow me to have the body I want? Like nothing has ever proved that outside of like science, right? Like, like if you didn't know anything about it, you'd be like, that makes no sense. Right. Yeah. Like it seems silly, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like when people are like, you need to spend money to make money. You're like, we love yeah. it. <laughs> it's true. It's the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So number three, you have no goals outside of weight loss. So it's like, if your new year's resolution or every goal you've ever had for yourself is reduced to like, I just want to weigh less all the time, Mm -hmm. then 
that's literally all you have to look forward to as, as far as something that you're trying to chase or something that you want for yourself. Yeah. Right? And I think that what's interesting is that a lot of people use that as the stepping stone to be able to have another goal. Like when I lose weight, I can do then this. I'll or when I finally get to this pant size, I can do this. Or I'm not going to like, we hear this like, I'm not going to chop my hair off until like I weigh this much. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not going to go take on, you know, dancing or salsa or whatever until I get thin enough to like be in this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, or I'm not going to surf. Or, I mean, we, we use weight loss as like the gateway goal. To other things. Yeah. To be able to do other And so like they, I think there's this like horrible, like this realization you have to come with that you actually can't chase weight loss year round successfully. Mm -hmm. So if you're literally just waiting from one weight loss phase to another in order to be able to accomplish something, then yeah, you're going to be in a rush to get it. I mean, how many times do we have women who are like, I've been in maintenance for like three weeks. Can, when can I cut it? And you're like, whoa, like, hold on a second. Like we just did like a three or four month cut. Like let's like some time in maintenance. And I think there's also just like, the irony is that most of our life should be spent in maintenance, not a deficit phase. Yeah. And a lot of people just believe like my life is like one deficit phase to another. And maintenance is just like a waiting ground where I have to like sit like, and yeah, like, like attacking my time. Right. Yeah. right. I get it. Yeah. I think a big yeah. thing there. Like your example is such a good one of like the 10 pounds and then the yeah. six months. Yeah. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, we encourage clients to like, you know, not only think of other fitness goals, but maintaining is a goal in and of itself. You know, like if you go yeah. week by week and you're maintaining, you can switch that in your brain to, I am reaching my goals because that is my goal. But we always try and tell clients like, what else do you want to focus on in your life? Like, do you have business goals? Do you want to do more things with your family? Do you want to, you know, organize rooms in your house? Like that's a great time to take that energy of like setting a goal and reaching a goal to something outside of what you look like, your body, even your health, how you feel. If you're in a maintenance phase, like set other goals outside of your fitness. Oh, it's so true. It's I mean, that's, that's amazing advice because that I think is like, that's such a crucial part of maintaining. Yes. It's not even not <laughs> if you're so overly focused. Yeah, I don't even yeah. think about it. I don't even hardly think about like yep. you don't do like oh are my pants fitting? Like I don't. I can go days without even like thinking about that kind of stuff in maintenance. Totally, and adding in that kind of stuff with your into your life is super helpful. I think without realizing it, a lot of women have just normalized mm-hmm. a very high level of stress. Yep. Um, and when when you're stressed, you go to your most practiced stories, and a lot of us like weight loss is that thing. It feels like that thing that you can control and can you, you can use it to predict whether or not your life is going to be good or how you're perceived or all of those kinds of things. And none of that is true. And meanwhile, your life is just, is, is passing you by. And I'm not, I'm not saying that fat loss is superficial or wanting to maintain yeah, is right. superficial, but like the more pillars you have to base your self-esteem mm-hmm. on, the healthier it is. And so it's just really a great time to diversify. I love that you do that with your clients. It's yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a great question to ask yourself, like as a listener, it's like, if I had gotten to like my goal weight, what would my goals be? Now? Like if I, if I didn't have to lose any more weight and I, and I was maintaining the yeah. weight that I wanted, what would my goals, yeah. what would my goals be? And if you can't think of any, then we really need to kind of start digging. And I think, you know, it's interesting, like you don't really understand the value of maintenance until you gained a bunch of weight and you realize like, Oh, that, that would have been way yes. more fun to maintain that result than then have to go into a cut again to kind of get oh, back there. And totally. so it's like this, this value of maintenance that people are like, Oh, maintenance is whatever or whatever. It's like, no, actually 
if you've ever put on 10 to 15 pounds, you understand the value yep. of like, and that, yeah, and I so, talk about that a lot too. Cause when I was gaining that 50 pounds that year, like it was, it was legitimately almost every week. It was a pound up an inch up a pound up for a year, like 52 weeks. It was wow. crazy. And then I remember like towards the end of that, when it stopped going up, I was so happy. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, it's stopping. Like I was just as happy as if I was losing. So I was like, Oh, finally, it's like, you, you're right. You don't realize how amazing it is to maintain until you're struggling with that. Totally. I, I completely agree. So good. Yeah. Um, okay. Number four, four. let's do it. Number four, you're impatient to be in in a calorie deficit again. So we kind of touched on this, but, um, maintenance is really where you should be 99% of the time. Like what kind of a rule of thumb is like, you should be in maintenance for two to three times, as long as you were in a deficit is kind of like a, uh, a helpful way to think about it. But, um, yeah, just really like if you can get comfortable in maintenance, get comfortable with eating that much, get comfortable with like, with having this perspective of instead, what can I, what can I cut out instead? Like, what can I, what can I add in? What, how can I really enjoy um, my body, my fitness level, being able to, um, you know, enjoy the accomplishment, being proud of yourself, all of that, instead of just focusing on, um, when can you, when can you get into fat loss? Yes. And I feel like if your maintenance phase is too short, your next fat loss phase, like let's say you are doing a maintenance phase as a buffer between a couple fat loss phases. Cause you have a bigger goal or whatever. Yeah. Um, if your maintenance phase is too short, all the problems that you had in your previous deficit are going to come right back even sooner. Like if you have to think, you know, why did I come out of a deficit? Okay. Maybe I wasn't seeing good progress anymore. My progress had slowed down because your metabolism had adapted. Maybe you're not sleeping as good. Maybe your hunger is really high. You know, whatever those issues were, if you don't have enough time, like quote unquote healing outside of that deficit, it's just going to be the same situation, but sooner. Right. Yep. So well said. Yes. And every single time I've ever had a more successful cut is because I've had longer stretches of maintenance. And I just, I really truly believe that. I mean, unless you happen to like hit pause and go to maintenance for other things, or you took a more extended diet break or something like that. I really do think that women don't realize that like, would you rather do this like up and down yo-yo dieting, like four or five times a year attempting a cut or take a pause and then do one really amazing solid one where you get like the same result instead of being all over the place. Right. And I think this is kind of like the answer to like, you know, my metabolism broken. It's like, it's, your metabolism is not right. broken. It's adapted. It's adapted. Yep. And so it's like, if you feel like you're always in like a state of that, then like you are, you kind of are right. Like you're, you're so adapted to this low calorie level that you're not even giving yourself time to like recoup and like, you know, be restorative and like go back to homeostasis or whatever you want to call it. But like, they kind of miss that yeah. step. Right. And then it always is like, why do I have to keep eating lower and lower and lower? Well, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you never gave yourself a break. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And then the last one we have is you thrive in restriction. So um, uh, whether you like, whether it spares you the, um, you know, the decision-making, mm-hmm. right? Like every day you're faced with a new story problem of like, how do I figure this mm-hmm. out? How do I fit? Um, and then a lot of women, they just, they, they like that control. They yeah. like that, like you were saying, like that dolphin leanness. They yeah. like, they like feeling that, um, like it's something that they can control and feel successful at and dominate. And it comes from a very, I feel like is often correlated with just a bad relationship with your body and wanting to like kind of dominate it and control sure. it. Um, as opposed to feeling like this is, this is my body is not an enemy. Mm-hmm. We are, we are partners and I want to take care of, take care of the health and really like do things that promote my well-being instead of like 
oh, my body is out to get me. And like you were saying, like it's broken and I, and I'm going to do this to, to, you know, punish and purify myself to like a, like a leaner version, which is just not a thing. No. And it's, yeah, not <laughs> a good mentality out. for sure. And yeah, people do get, I mean, I remember myself feeling like that back in the day. I'm like, well, I had, you know, I had little kids and life just felt so crazy that this was, my nutrition was one thing in my life that I could quote unquote control. And that's yeah. why one of the reasons why I left competing because I felt like there was so much like hyper control of it. And what, I mean, I controlled what I did and kind of in a sense controlled the outcome sort of, not, not really, but that's what I thought at the time. And, yeah. you know, and that, that oh, gives you that use, the control yeah. when everything else feels chaotic, but that's really not what we should be yeah. doing. We should be creating that, that balance and like getting rid of that chaos in other places. Yeah. It's crazy that one of the greatest existential fears is fear of freedom. That seems so counterintuitive, especially as Americans, but like, like freedom should be everything you want. Right. But like, it can be really, really scary, especially when you feel like food is a minefield and like, is, you know, your body's out to get you, you know? Yeah. You're living in a haunted house. That's such a great way to say it because it's like, that's why people, I think it's so funny. Like we can hear the word food freedom and we're like, Oh yeah. Why wouldn't you want that? And we're just like, Oh no, that's, way too flexible. I have to have rules or like, I can't have everything be available, but usually that comes down to like your relationship with the food that is like, Mm -hmm. Oh no, cake has historically been awful to me. Like I, I can't have cake or things like that. And I think it's interesting how, like, I think people use it as like a badge of honor. Like remember how, when we were in college, Oh, I got like two hours of sleep and like, look how amazing I did. And I existed all day long. And and people used to be like, Oh my gosh, I get like no sleep. And like, look at me functioning like an amazing person in the fitness industry. Right. Like no (laughs) days off hustle. Like that was, that was how it was back then. Totally. We want to come back and do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But it's like, I think people think like, Oh, I'm not hungry. Like they think that that's so cool. Right. Like, Oh, I just don't ever have to eat. I'm like, I just, I just go, go, go. I don't even, I like, I love when people are like, I haven't, I totally forget to eat all the time. And I'm like, that's not, okay. Like they think hunger is weakness or something. Yes. And it's just like, no, that's actually your body's natural cue telling you like, Hey, we're going to die soon. Yeah. Right. And so and it's, it's your thing, metabolism it's working, like, you know? Yeah. yeah. Seriously. <laughs> it's your metabolism actually being healthy like and telling you I need more food. Yeah. Right. Sorry, the irony of that just got me. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. But then also, like, heaven forbid, I don't have one more thing to suppress about myself. I suppress my emotions and my appetite right. and, and all my awareness about things. And so I think there are women who think that being restrictive is so cool, right? Yeah. Like, I am so in tune with my body. I can control it to do whatever I want to do. You know, I don't need to eat anything. Like, I, it's just. It's a, it's a neglect of your needs is really yeah. what it is. And that's a bummer. Yeah. For sure. And you may not know, you may not know you're doing that. Like you may not be as aware of like, some people are more aware of their feelings than their, than their thoughts. Like you may not hear yourself think that, thing, yeah. but think those things, but it's worth looking at your behavior and like how the process is feeling because how the process feels determines how, how determines your results. Yes, yeah, for sure. Right. If it's miserable, you're going to get a miserable, you're going to get a, 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 what's that thing you always say? It's not a dream body. If it's a nightmare. Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, that's like, you know, (laughs) I'm sure you guys do something similar, but in our client check-ins, we ask them to share wins. Right. And the clients that are always complaining, they never see as good a result as the ones who are like, even on the weeks, they don't see results, but they're pointing out their wins. Like they always have so much better results in the long term. 
if they have a better attitude. Yeah. I don't I don't really know if there's science I, behind that. But we always say like if a girl sends her pictures in with a smile on her face, this girl is going to get great results. Oh, yeah. But that. when they're like, ew, yuck, gross, like or scratch like, their face yeah, out, their face or out. Their face <laughs> over it. it's yeah. like that limits you yes. to how much success you're going to have because you already think horrible things about yourself. Right. So why would you have anything good? Right. Exactly. So then when you're thinking about your goals, it will, it will either feel terrible or you will actively try not to think about your goals because when you think about them, it feels, it feels terrible. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. So yeah, I love that. I have uh-huh. one more thing to add. Um, and that has to do with diet mentality. So I feel like one people, one reason people struggle in maintenance is because they still are bringing over some of that diet mentality. And we, you know, we preach like, when you're in maintenance, you don't have to do some of the things you did in a deficit, meaning you're not in a calorie deficit anymore. You probably don't have to do 19,000 steps anymore. You probably don't have to do, you know, limit your carbs as much or, you know, be as limited with your food choices, but you do have to do some of those healthy habits, right? You need to focus on protein. You need to get some steps. You need to keep lifting weights, all of these things. But when people come into maintenance with that, like by diet mentality, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, but I just mean like, that still restrictive mindset, like how you mentioned the high volume foods and like some of those thought process that processes that go with, with cutting and they bring that into maintenance, they can really struggle because they feel like they're still cutting. Right. But they're not seeing the results yes, of yes. that. And so we always like, we always like, say like you're basically cutting with 300 more calories. Is what you're right. Doing. And they're expecting like, cutting, results, the but same. they're not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so they expect a result in a weird way too, because they're like, I'm still doing the same practices that I was doing in a cut. Yeah. And you're like, but you're just having like, you know, half a scoop more of cottage cheese or like, right. you know, well, they're eating more five million rice. veggies because they want to fill up. Yeah. And I'm like, no, eat some actual rice or, you know, maybe some actual peanut yes. butter or something to fill yourself up. Yeah. Instead of like reconstituted peanut butter. Right. Butter. Yeah. Because if you always feel like you're dieting and you don't, you're not losing weight, you're going to have a really toxic relationship with a cut yes. for sure. Yeah. And, and maybe. Yes. Yeah. And like at the heart of it, I know for you, like it is for us, it's just like you deserve more. Like you deserve better. Like you deserve to be proud of yourself. You deserve to love your body. Like all, all of the good things Yeah. you just, you deserve. Right. So like getting out of that, like, um, minimum wage mindset. Oh, you know? I love like that. You, yeah, that's huge. Well, that was awesome, you guys. I think we, you know, we shared five or six great points about why people struggle with maintenance. And, you know, woven throughout there was also why maintenance is so important, right? Um, so yeah, yeah, anyway, Natalie, Heidi, how do how do my listeners hear more about you guys? Oh, well, you can come on over and hang out with us on Instagram at Butter Macros. Uh, we do have a podcast called The Butter Dish. I love your I love that um, name. It's but so also long, <laughs> listening along with Lindsay too, but also just I think, um, you know, just like you have a program, we have a program, but it's also like do maintenance with a coach. Yes. If you've never been successful in maintenance, mm-hmm. do not ditch your coach the second that you're done oh with a coach. Oh my God. Yeah. In fact, Preach. Arguably, yes. In fact, arguably, <laughs> arguably, most women don't need a coach to cut. They need one for maintenance. Right. Like if, you, if you're great at cutting calories then and you're not great at maintenance, like here's an indicator to tell you, like, do it with somebody who can yeah, like, get help you through it. Mm-hmm. Because part of maintenance, which is so hurtful, is it reveals a lot about yourself, mm-hmm. right? That you maybe don't want to address because you're eating less or you're just so laser focused on losing weight. And so sometimes the hardest work you'll ever do is in maintenance. And yes. that is, that is where the discipline really lends itself, not in a deficit, mm-hmm. right? It's the restriction part is easy for us. A lot of times we're really good at like being mean to ourselves, yeah. but, like to be generous to yourself and to live in abundance and to realize that you deserve more is in maintenance. And that is really hard for people. So I love that. Um, figure all that out with 
any of us, right? We want that for you. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for those parting words. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lindsay. All right, guys. Okay, talk to you guys later. You made it. The butter dish didn't melt your face. Thanks so much for hanging with us. If you enjoyed that episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, share it to your social media, or leave a comment. That all really helps. So the kids say. (laughs) If you want to find us, you can find us at Instagram at ButterYourMacros. On the web at ButterYourMacros.com. Twitter and TikTok at What's Up Butters. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks.